0: Last week we began the short series, On the Edge, and this week we're going to do On the Edge Part 2. Are you ready for this? As I stated last week, I feel like, and the Holy Spirit was speaking this to me, you know, you could take this any way you want. If this is you, great. If not, just apply it where you can, because I know you'll, have, you'll get something out of today's message but he reminded me that he's in the business of faith, miracles, even signs and wonders at times. And he asked me, are you? Norm, are you? (laughs) And I was like, what? And he said, you play it safe. And I had to really meditate on that for a a while. And, And honestly, when I started looking at everything, most of the time I do. I play it safe. How about you? In part two, we're going to be going back and we're going to look at how we can break from playing it safe. And I've already talked about how we need it to engage what? E is for, by the way, I've been calling this an, an acronym, but it's really what? What do you call it? A. Uh, I've already forgotten the name of it. There's a name for it when you have the first letter of each word, acrostic. That's what it really is, technically, so if I've been misspeaking. The acrostic is E-D-G-E, which stands for edge, all right. E is for engage the, somebody said it, culture. And D is for direction, We listen. We all need to get direction from the Lord. He knows what's next. So I could have gone so many different ways with G. And I, I landed on, and I feel like strongly this is where the Lord wanted me to go, was the gospel, the good news. So G is for good news. Say that with me. G is for good news. All right. Now, I love showing... I guess I had these up there. G is for good news. I love showing the Merriam-Webster Dictionary's definition of this. It's a noun, and it means the message concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and salvation. So when I say gospel or good news, I'm talking about the same thing. When I say gospel or good news, I'm talking about salvation in Jesus. His message, the one he brought to this earth when, when he came as a human being, imagine if you had everything you ran the universe and all of a sudden one day you went, "You know what they need my help I'm going to become one of them and you set aside your crown you set aside all that the God stuff that he had so that he could come here and join us in the flesh thank you Jesus One of the things that Jesus said about this, about the gospel, is this. And and there are many other passages, but I'm just going to allude to a couple of them today. Mark 16, 15. And he told them, go into the world. I missed something. Go into all the world. Karen, are you sleeping? Because usually you catch me on that stuff. See, it made the baby cry. Go into all the world. And preach the good news to everyone. Here Jesus gives us a command to go. And to tell everybody about Him. There should be no corner of the world that isn't reached. That's our job, church. Poke your neighbor and say, that's our job. Now in the church, and we we can't ever leave stuff simple, right? Right? we got, We got to always complicate it. So we've actually given this a name, and it's called the Great Commission. You don't need to remember that so much as go. Because <laughs> that's what it means. The Great Commission means to go. Go what? Go and tell the world about Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. How many remember when you first met him? The day that you said yes to Jesus, that you got, maybe you got on your knees, maybe you didn't, and you said, Lord, I'm nothing but a bunch of filthy rags, sin, whatever, and you were so compelled to, to go to Him, you felt that condemnation, as we should as a sinner, and then the Lord said I'm not condemning you. I'm convicting you. When you come to me, it's all taken care of. But when you came to him, how many actually saw his face? You saw Jesus. Nobody. Which is where I'm going with this. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, with the exception of just a couple of guys in the Bible, very few ever see our lord and savior in the in a bodily form all right how do we know then that something happened how do we know that god forgave us how do we know we're no longer under condemnation the word the gospel says this and this about you you're no longer condemned those who come to christ are forgiven you don't have to be perfect because none of us will ever meet that perfection. There was only one that did, and that was Jesus. The rest of us should be trying to do live like Him, but you're never going to be perfect. I've heard, heard people say this. You know what, if you're looking for the perfect church, when you find it, it won't be anymore. That's just how it is. Somebody shared the gospel. And again, not to drag on with this, but I remember Jaime came to me, kept writing out little scriptures. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And he'd stick that in my Louis L'Amour book. And then he'd slither, I mean, he'd walk away. (laughs) He always did it when I wasn't looking. Sneaky varmint. And being that I was raised in Catholicism, and I, I, I just, I had a respect for God. I had a respect for his word. I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew something was different about those words. And I would get that out, and I'd open it up, and I'd read it, and it's like, really is this real is this real and I struggled for six months and he kept doing that putting other things in there for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life I'm like what and I'd always read them then I'd throw them away nonsense nonsense leave my Louis L'Amour books alone But one day when I needed Jesus, one day when I'd gotten so low that I couldn't get any lower, like some would say, I was lower than a flea on a snake's belly. That's how low I was. That was when those words struck me like lightning. And they came back to my remembrance. And I just remember saying to him, Jaime, tell me about this Jesus guy you keep talking about. And, of course, he got that big old grin and said, come on. And he took me, and and we had a party. We had a Jesus party, Jesus fest, in his living room, and we studied out the word. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. And listen, it didn't just change my life, it changed my family's life. Because if I'd continued as I was back then, this young man back here, he may not be here today, He's my youngest. He might not be here, or he might be so messed up today because of how I was. But I thank God he's in the business of second chance. He's in the business of doing it over. Hallelujah. And he gave me that second chance, and it changed my life, and it changed my family's life. And that, my friend, is the good news. That is the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. The next uh, verse says Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So it it puts all the weight on us. If you want Jesus, if you want to live forever in his presence, believe in him. If you don't, don't believe. And you'll be condemned. Those are tough words, aren't they? Many in our modern time refuse the gospel message. Ah, don't tell me that nonsense. Sorry about that. They just, it <laughs> doesn't matter how earnest you are, how passionate you are about what Jesus is doing in your life. They just won't give you a listen because they're already convinced it's nonsense. They've been, their eternity has already been secured. It won't be with the Lord. Another, another passage of scripture that I wanted to share was the other great commission passage, Matthew 28. 18 and following it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, That's coming right from the Master. Just before He ascended into heaven, He is with us always, even to the ends of the earth. That's coming soon. <laughs> we won't go there today. What I want you to get here is our job, folks. Your job, my job. What is it? To go. Say it with me. Go. It's God-ordered. Go! And do what? Tell them about the good news. If you're born again, you shouldn't be sitting on it. If you're twice born and God has filled you with His Holy Spirit, you should be telling people about it. God be the glory. The good news, I believe this with all my heart, can change us. It did me. How many else can say, yes, it changed me? Raise your hand. It changed me. There's nothing better than personal witness. Nobody else can tell people about what happened to you like you can tell people about what happened to you. I can tell people about what happened to me, and then Mike does it, and then maybe Mary does it, and then Mac does it, and if that doesn't scare them off, maybe Gene will do it, and they keep hearing, the seeds are planted, I'll just mess with you, the seeds are planted, you jackhammer, I still feel that, Urgh. I know, that's what I figured, God is doing a chisel on all of us today. We get all hard and crusty. You know what? We get so used to being saved that we forget what our purpose is. That's our job. Tell people. Tell people about me. And the good news can feed a man or woman's spirit. You know that, right? If you feel depressed, then get refreshed. Read the good news. Pull out your sword. Get the Bible out and start reading it. It'll change your life. It'll change your day. It'll change your morning, your year, your month, whatever. It will change you. You need answers for life? Go to the gospel. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, and keep on going through all the epistles, the letters. We see this very idea in Matthew 4-4. And, and again, here, Jesus is facing off with the, your enemy and mine, the devil. The devil's trying to get him to trip up, he wants to trip him up. He wants to end Jesus' ministry before it ever gets off the ground. And when you really get this into your heart, you're going to realize: man, there's power in the word. In his words. Again, Matthew 4.4, 4, and, and it's interesting because Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy. What does that tell you? If, if it's good enough for Jesus to remember what God said back in the Old Testament and enough to repeat it when he's in a moment of turmoil, what should you and I be doing? repeating it how can you repeat it though unless you know it you got to get it in you before you can repeat it here he's quoting Deuteronomy 6 16 and it says but Jesus told him no the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God first time I read that I went what I like food I like bread we don't eat it anymore now we eat this Ezekiel bread stuff I don't it's not really bread it's 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 pretend bread but it's scriptural bread sometimes I just have a hankering for a little piece of white bread somebody just told me that the other day I'm not telling on them but they they said don't tell my wife They had a piece of white bread. People don't live by bread alone, Jesus said. But from every word that comes from the mouth of Jesus, of God. Not only will God's word, the gospel, feed us, but it's also a weapon. You start feeling like you're getting threatened, what ought you to be doing? Jesus said, man can't live on bread alone, but by every word it comes from the mouth of God. What does that mean to you? How do we eat the word of God? You already said it. By reading and quoting the good news. You think Satan hates this? He's been trying to destroy the Bible since the 60s. Wiping it out. He wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't even want those... Ten Commands that are back in the Old Testament. He doesn't even want those on our buildings. And his loyal friends are trying to erase all memory of God and the Bible and the law and Jesus. Those driven by the spirit of the Antichrist absolutely hate the Word of God. Because there's power in it because it reflects his nature because it comes from him Hebrews 4 12 and 13 for the word of God is alive and it's powerful it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit between joint and marrow it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires nothing in all creation is hidden from God everything is naked and exposed before his eyes He is the one to whom we are accountable. Now, this should scare you. There's nothing hidden from God. But there's also nothing that His Word can't accomplish in you. It prepares us for eternity. Hello? It gets us ready for service. And I'm talking about all of us are called to be a missionary to some degree. There's somebody out there that needs to hear from you. You've got the perfect testimony for somebody out there in this world that's lost and dying, and they need to hear the good news. And you can give it to them. And you don't have to be a wordsmith to do it. You don't have to be creative to do it. All you have to do is be faithful and do it. The word of God, the gospel, the good news is a formidable weapon when the believer acts upon it and speaks its truth. Again, many times when Jesus was challenged, he often went back and he quoted from the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament when Jesus was here. He is the New Testament. And when he quoted and somebody Uh, asked, well, how many times did Jesus quote? Nobody can really say because it's kind of, you know, mixed up. But he quoted from, and I wrote this down, so I better read it. He quoted from all five books in the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the book of the law. He quoted from all of those. He also quoted from eight of the prophetic books. That's quite a few. And then one of his favorites, the favorite, quoted from the most was the book of psalms he did quote from isaiah but it was the book of psalms was his most quoted from book what does that say again it says jesus trusted god's word he believed it and he confessed it again there's power in the word poke your neighbor and say there's power in the word If Jesus quoted Scripture, shouldn't we? The good news is the good news because it changes things. There's power in the Word. Remember how God began the universe? Everything was dark. Remember back in Genesis 1? And He said, keep word, He said, He spoke it into existence. And it was there. Every time I see these scientists, modern day, claiming, that the Big Bang started everything, I just shudder. I'm sorry. I can't take it. It's one of the biggest lies. When we get to heaven and when we see how many people have been duped by this evolution thing, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. He began everything, He was the beginning, He is the end. There's power in God's words. There's power in this good book that we call the Bible. You know, it's the number one book still. (laughs) Number one book on the planet, the Bible. When you and I exercise our faith, when we repeat God's words, the miraculous happens. Some of you have witnessed it firsthand. The enemy shrinks back and we're able to take ground for the kingdom of God. I said, the enemy shrinks back and we're able to take ground for the kingdom of God. We ought to be excited about that. That little dream that I shared before about the one that my wife had. I'm telling you, I thank God he showed it to me through my wife. But afterwards, I'm angry. I'm angry that he's been able to get us to this point. He's convinced us that we're defeated. He is a liar, Mac. And we need to get in the word and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And I am more than a conqueror through the one who's given me eternal life. More than a conqueror. We need to repeat these words especially in public but many of us we shrink back in fear oh you know i can't talk about the bible in my workplace they'll, they'll fire me really that's the enemy you pray for him. you pray the word over those your, your workplace over your co-workers you see what god does There are two meanings for the word, word, W-O-R-D. And it's not like word, like some of the rap songs today. It's not like that, although that's pretty good. The first is from the word logos, all right? Logos simply means the expression of God. How many know Jesus was the word? Where do you find that? John chapter 1. Yeah, I I better read it because I don't want to mess it up. Let me get back there. Wasn't planning on doing this. I'm not reading all of it. Just part of it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This Word is Logos. And the Word was God. So anybody that says Jesus wasn't God, hello? He was with God in the beginning. When God said, let there be light, He was there. Along with the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. It's not in the Bible, but that's another conversation. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Go back and read this. All the way through verse 18. It talks about Jesus being the Word. Word. How do you do that sign? Is it Word? Is that it? I don't know. If you saw this on camera, I don't know what that means, so if it's bad, forgive me already. The other meaning is the word rhema. In Ephesians 6, 17, as an example. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word. That's, that word is rhema, That word actually means the spoken word. When you speak the good news, the gospel, it affects the natural with the supernatural. And you say, oh man, you know, that's silly. No, it's not. Because everything is yes and amen for those who believe in Jesus. Everything is yes and amen in Christ. If you're professing the word of God, the Bible, it's going to change your environment, the way that you see things, the way others see things. And let me add this, if you hope to walk in victory, you have to maintain your weaponry. If you were thinking about going into battle, let's say you were a U.S. Army soldier how many would run out onto the battlefield without first getting ammunition? Unless you're a chaplain, you wouldn't. You want to get your bullets. You want to get your grenades. Whatever you can take with it, you, if you can carry it, you're taking it. For the Christian, in order to have a loaded gun, it requires one thing. We have to study and store away the words of God. Jesus did, and we must too. Listen to this part. This is how most of society walks through life. And there's only one thing that can remove the blinders. There are four billion people who have not yet come to Christ, and they need to hear this good news from us. They need to hear the words of God. We may not be able to say, let there be light, and there will be light. Maybe you've tried that. But when a lost soul hears us say, for God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, it does something. It changes us, and I'm a perfect example of it. And God's still working on me. I, hopefully I'm making that clear. I, I'm not there yet. Won't be till I'm in my glorified body. But I thank God that he reached down through his word, through that that man on my job, and he taught me about him even before I met him. You can speak those rhema words that will lead to a lost soul coming into the light. Amen? So E is for engage, D is for direction, G is for gospel, the good news. Now this next last E. I'm just going to tell you, I'll I'll be honest with you, when I started, I had, I expected we were going to be hearing about eternity. And then two days ago, the Lord, I just, you know sometimes when you're not where you're supposed to be, and the Lord keeps nudging you and saying, no, that's not right, it's not right. Listen to that little voice. If I listened every time I heard that, I would be spared so much grief and agony Norm, don't do that. Norm, don't do that. Norm, don't do that. And then Norm does that. And then Norm regrets doing that. Don't be like Norm. Be like Jesus. Two days ago, he, he gave me this, just one little word. And when I first saw it, I was like, really? And then it hit me. E is for exalt. And I'm like, wow. It it flooded me. It really did. It's flooded me now. E is for exalt. Miriam Webster. And by the way, once again, this is a verb. Which requires action on our part. It means to raise in rank power or character. It means to elevate by praise... Or in estimation, and it also means to glorify. You still with me? Psalm 34, 3. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. And then the NLT says, come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. Do you know that's what we do every time we meet? And it doesn't have to be in church. It can be in a coffee shop. It can be in your home. It can be on the, in a car ride on the way to somebody's house to shovel off their roof. It doesn't matter where you're at, where two or more come together in his name. He is there. Hallelujah. What a perfect place. What a perfect place to exalt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Last week I shared... John 15, 8, you remember? When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple, and this brings great glory to my Father. And I want to just edge into that, bringing glory to our Heavenly Father. At the end of this verse, we see that the disciples, the true disciples, brought God glory by the way they lived. When we come together in this place of worship, we are literally bringing in His glory. How? by exalting his name, by exalting the name of Jesus Christ. Last week, somebody posted on Facebook that we had some of the best worship anywhere. And I agree with that, and I said that last week. But let me say, I agree that we have a great team of worshipers that are up here. Great musicians, great singers, melodic voices that I've heard in few other places. Technical, our our sound systems actually sounds good most of the time. And thank you to those guys who are in the back who, who laboringly keep us sounding decent. However, and this is what the Lord showed me, what takes our worship to another level isn't How awesome each musician can play. It isn't because of those melodic voices that we hear. It isn't because we have a dynamic sound system. If any of these were the real reason, then we have failed to represent Jesus Christ at the hope. And I'm quoting myself here. Our worship is amazing because you and I have come together to exalt His holy name. And when we give God the glory, His glory comes down upon us, and we experience His presence in tangible ways. So you've heard me say, "I love Pastor Roger. Mary, you guys are amazing the whole team. And I don't think you critic- I don't think you'll be hurt by this. It ain't about you. It's about Him. And when we exalt His name, when Jesus is lifted up higher than any other name, He shows up. He shows up, folks, and the glory of God comes down upon us. Whew! That's good news. You and I help usher in the very presence of God through our worship as we exalt Him. But the opposite can also be true. And I just felt like I needed to say this. Sometimes we get in those funks. Sometimes we get in an argument with our spouse, with, our, with one of our kids on the way to church, or maybe the day before, whatever. Sometimes we're just mad at God because so much stuff has been happening. We've been going through a hurricane. And it's not been easy. And we feel like, where are you? That could be us and we come in here wallowing in our (laughs) self-pity and this is what God says when you get down look up when you feel like you are being crushed cry out to me exalt me give me praise when you feel so low that you can't get out of bed Just start saying, Jesus, I love you. Because it changes the atmosphere. Psalm 31 says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. That's the God you serve. And this is the other little nugget that the Lord gave me. Your enemies have lost the minute that you begin to exalt the Lord. Will you say that with me? My enemies have lost the minute that I exalt the Lord. It's interesting to note that Moses and the Israelites... They were so convinced of this that they wrote songs about it. Why did they write songs? You know, so they can remember. That's exactly what I'm reading. Exodus 15, 1 and 2, thank you, and I did not show you that. Moses and the people of Israel sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is triumphant gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Yes. We couldn't have rehearsed that any better. Make this personal. Let's bring this into a modern context. We should exalt the Lord for all the good that he has done for us. But listen, this is what we do. We're prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. Spurgeon said that. I've done it. You may be thinking, you know what? I don't feel like the Lord has done anything for me. I know you may not feel that way. But there might be some here that do. And I I read this in the ICR devotion. It's uh, uh, ICR, Institute for Creation Research. And I get their devotions, and I saw this a while back, and I thought, you know, I'm going to use that someday. And I, I here I am using it. So this is from a devotion. This is what the Lord has already done for you. If you call on Him for your salvation, if you confess your sins and say, Lord, you're my God from this day forward, if that's you, all right, listen, all of these things I'm about to share with you apply to you. This is what God has done for you. First, you will eat of the tree of life, Revelation 2.7. You can go look these up later. Next, you will not be hurt of the second death, Revelation 2.11. And I actually have the scriptures below here. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. I didn't read the first one, but we'll, we'll keep moving. You'll be given a new name, Revelation 2.17. Anybody else want a new name? I've never really cared for Norman. Most of the time I see it in Hollywood's pictures, it's not very good. but I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. It's going to be a new name that nobody else even knows. So when God wants to call you, I don't know how many are going to be in heaven, but let's say there are a couple billion just for the sake of argument i like to think more, but out of that billion people, when he calls your name, you're the only one that's going to hear it. Did you think of that? Which means if you get in trouble in heaven, I don't know if you can. There's no hiding from him because nobody else has you. I didn't hear you. I... We will have power over the nations. We're going to rule with him. Revelation two twenty six to all who are victorious who obey me to the end to them I will give authority over all nations We will be clothed in white revelation 3 5 all who are victorious will be clothed in white I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels. They are mine Hallelujah all this is if you say yes to Jesus confess your sins and allow him to wash you clean This is yours we will become pillars in the temple of God. Now, listen, I know you're thinking, I don't want to be a pillar. Yeah. He's not talking about. <laughs> but we're going to be foundational in heaven. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens. <clears throat> In the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. By the way, you know this is Jesus talking here, right? Just want to make clear. John caught this prophecy, but it was as Jesus gave it to him. I love this next one. (laughs) You'll sit with the Lord Jesus on his throne. Revelation 3.21 Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on His throne. Can you imagine that? I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be amazing. Our finite minds cannot understand the infinite. But we're going to hear it, we're going to see it, we're going to feel it, we're going to experience it soon. Finally, the last one I'm going to share, you will inherit all things. Revelation 21 and 7. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. I will be their God. They will be my children. That's God's good news for today. Even if you feel like life stinks on this side of heaven, you have so much to look forward to on the other side. Endure it. Endure it for this short time because it's going to last so long. it, it, it's, it's just a moment in time. If you're feeling really down, get one of those little egg timers that you flip over, the three-minute timers. Look at the, the little pieces of sand. You're, this life is one little grain of sand in comparison to all those other grains that are in there. When you reach eternity, God's going to do one of these We have forever to live with him, to sit on his throne with him, to lead with him. When you exalt his name, when you acknowledge his lordship over you, all of these things are yours. Can I get an amen? And here's the best part. When you exalt his name, he will make himself known to you, and you will experience his glory. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me as I begin to close? Psalm 99.5, the last scripture. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Can you worship him just for a moment? Exalt him. You are God. You are worthy. We give you the praise. Father, we thank you for all that has been purchased for us as we've been redeemed from the curse of the law through the blood of Jesus, who became a man through that virgin birth, who lived 33 years on this planet, and then he gave his life for the many, for the masses that those who believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We thank you for that everlasting life, for everything that's been purchased for us. We look forward to heaven, but while we're here on this earth, Lord, help us to stop living it safe. Help us to start living on the edge and, and doing it your way, Lord. That means that we need to engage our culture with your truth. Follow you, Holy Spirit, as you give us the direction to go. We need to share that good news, that rhema word. We need to give it to people in Jesus' mighty name. And we need to exalt your holy name in all, in all, in all that we do, all that we say, all that we are, to you be the glory forever and ever and ever. Are you ready to live on the edge? You know, if you feel inclined, just come up in the front. If that's you. Maybe you're already living there. Come on up. do we do this there's there's something about taking a step of faith it's just something in your noggin that you you say hey you know what i went up in front today and you know why you're here and god sees that faithful step and and as i shared a a week or so back when he gives you the the first direction the first address you get there then he gives you the next and so by you coming up here this is an address this is a step and he has so much more for you and for me and, and i just feel challenged in my own life and i hope you're sensing this that god's just saying look if you'll do it my way we're going to win this world for the kingdom of god these people are going to come to me but I need you to partner with me. I need you to be a part of this kingdom process. And by coming up here, you're saying yes. If you can lift your hands, just lift them. Say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will. Yes, Lord. That's me, Lord. I want to live on the edge for you. I don't I may not know what that means and I may I may make some blunders on the way. But I'm giving it my best shot, Lord. I want to do all I can for you, and I don't want to play it safe anymore. But I'm ready. I'm ready to be challenged in my spirit life. Lord, help me to memorize more scriptures. Help me to look more like you each and every day. Lord, that's our prayer here today. That's our prayer. And Lord, as we exalt you, as this church comes together to lift up the name of Jesus, I pray that the Shekinah glory, Lord, that it would just come down on this place like never before. That you would inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. Not because we're anybody special, but because we put our faith and trust in you. And we've said, yes, Lord, have your way. Have your way. Now, if you're willing to live on the edge for him, whatever that might look like, and I think each person's different, Would you just say this with me? Lord, I give you permission to give me a nudge to do what it takes to get me out of my comfort zone. Help me to live for you on the edge if necessary because I want to accomplish great mighty things for your kingdom. You've given your all for me. Now I give my all to you. Have your way with me, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Love you guys. I mean that with all my heart. If anybody needs any additional prayer, we're up here. Have a great weekend, Jesus.